Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Really Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley oop back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! Hey, D! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Hello and welcome to the Wolf Among Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. As always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Hedke NBA. And the show is a part of the Wolf Among Wolves podcast network on wolfamongwolves.com. So today's episode is being recorded after the game that the Timberwolves played against the Dallas Mavericks. But it's the morning after rather than the night after. And man, there, yeah, this team is weird. This team is very weird. I think that's the best that I can say about this team right now. Obviously, the Timberwolves beat uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder a few nights ago, and then they were getting absolutely blown out by the Oklahoma City Thunder a couple nights later, or the next night, and it like it looked so bad. And then all of a sudden, the third quarter, Nas Reed just kind of took over, and the Timberwolves climbed their way back into that game throughout the third and fourth quarter, which is just like not something we've seen from the Timberwolves before. We haven't seen that type of fight from the Timberwolves before. Usually they get down by 15, 20 points and game is over already in the second quarter, first quarter, um, and they just have no fight left in them. But now we see the Minnesota Timberwolves fight in that Oklahoma City game and really just like try to win that game and actually put forth an effort to come back and you know make the other team work hard to get the win. Obviously, we would have loved to come out with the win in that one, uh, but we didn't. But the fight was encouraging, and that's something that I think the Timberwolves need to build on. Um, and that's what they did again last night, and when they played the uh, when they played the. Um, uh, Dallas Mavericks so what I want to say about that is two straight games where they gave up like 40 something points in the first quarter is obviously really 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 bad and it's inexcusable for them to give up that many points in the first quarter on the flip side 
playing good basketball for the rest of that game, that that second game, the game against the Mavericks, is just really something that we haven't seen before and something that I think is really important to note that when we're taking away all the or we're giving all the blame to Ryan Saunders for all the poor starts and all the poor play so far this season, I think we do have to give him credit for, you know, finding a way to get his team to fight at the uh, you know, the closing part of those games. There's just no way that um if Ryan Saunders doesn't, you know, get in their head, they're probably not gonna be coming back in that game. And of course, like I said, they lost both games because they dug such a big hole that was nearly impossible to get out of in both games. But they got out of them, and they they actually took the lead in the in the OKC game, and they were down by only three points in the you know in that game against the Mavericks. So there's a lot of bad to take from those, but I just want to highlight that we haven't seen this fight from this team so far this season. So that is encouraging, and now it's just coming to the point of how do you figure out how to not put yourself in such a big hole at the beginning of of these games. And that's something that's going to come down to coaching, to players just being ready to play from the jump, and just like wanting to win. Not just like being ready, but like wanting to win that game and not come out in such a big hole. So um, I wanted to also highlight Malik Beasley's play in the fourth quarter of last night's game. He ended up with... I think 22 points in the quarter, but he made six threes, six straight threes in that quarter. He was not playing well. I think he only had three points at halftime, and he ended the game with 30. Um, he scored 22 in the fourth. I think he scored uh, five in the third, and then he scored only two points in the entire first, or three points in the entire first half. But he never gave up. He came out in that fourth quarter and did what he had to do to try and get the Timberwolves back in the game. And the Timberwolves played some good defensive possessions along the way too, um, and some players hit some you know shots that were really important down the stretch, like Juancho Hernan Gomez, who's finally back from COVID. Uh, he hit a really nice three in stride, in rhythm, that helped the Timberwolves cut the lead down. I think that one might have got us within ten, um, but yeah, they just came back, and that was a fight that we just haven't seen. So I thought that was really impressive, and just seeing that out of Malik Beasley is just a really Good sign that the Timberwolves team maybe does have some fight in them and they just need to get that unlocked. And in last night's press conference, Jalen Noel did say that at halftime, Ryan Saunders lit a fire under them that, you know, made them want to get back into that game. And to be honest, during that game, the Timberwolves really did play three good, solid quarters of basketball. They outscored the Mavericks in every single quarter except for quarter number one. The problem was quarter number one was such a big hole that the Timberwolves dug themselves in that they just they couldn't get out of it. Um, but yeah, Malik Beasley ended the night with 30 points. He had nine rebounds and six assists. So even when he wasn't doing a whole lot during the first half, scoring the ball wise, he still was you know getting some rebounds and passing the ball pretty well. And he had six assists, which is you know a lot more than his average. I think he averages like two a night. So. Seeing Malik Beasley, you know, almost have a double-double with rebounds and then, you know, halfway to a triple-double with assists there is just really impressive. Um, and he also had zero turnovers over in the, in the entire game. The Timberwolves have, as a team actually only had nine total turnovers against the Mavericks. The problem was they only pulled down 41 rebounds and the Mavericks 
pulled down 48. So that's seven, you know, rebounds that the Mavericks got over the Timberwolves. You know, in a 20-point game, that's a difference. But in a game that ended up only being a five-point game, you know, that's a that's a big a big issue. Um, I had to go back and rewatch the game because I wasn't able to watch it live. I was busy doing other things, and I caught the only part I caught live was the last 10 minutes of the fourth quarter or whatever it was. Once Malik Beasley started getting hot is when I was able to tune in. Um, but yeah, so I thought the refing was fine throughout the game. I didn't see any egregious calls really one way or another. Of course, they're going to miss some calls along the way, but this isn't a game where I felt like the Timberwolves really got royally screwed, which I felt like throughout the season there's been a number of times that has happened. Uh, but another problem was the Timberwolves just didn't hit free throws. They were 20 of 28. Um, and they missed like three down the stretch that were proved to be pretty important free throws. Um, but they just didn't shoot the ball um, great for most of the game. They ended up with 46%, but they were under 40% um, for quite a while. And then in the fourth quarter, they got hot and the, that percentage obviously went up. But the Mavericks just shot the ball better. They shot 51% from the field. Um, and that really you know, helped them gain that big lead that was a little too much for the Timberwolves to overcome. Another thing I wanted to bring up is what is the news that just came out this morning. That is Malik Beasley um, being charged with uh, for the crimes he committed and what he was arrested for this offseason. So obviously Malik had some legal trouble this offseason um, while being in Minnesota. But Sham Sharania from The Athletic tweeted out today, that Timberwolves guard Malik Beasley was sentenced to 120 days in the Hennepin County workhouse with work release and home confinement option. It's to be served at the end of the season, stemming from his charges um, in October. And that was from his attorney, Steve Haney. So it looks like due to his sentencing, he's not going to be missing any games for the Timberwolves this season. But it's going to come down to the NBA and their ruling on Malik Beasley. Obviously, Dane Moore reported earlier in the year that it looked like Malik Beasley is going to get some sort of discipline, disciplinary action from the league. Um, and he reported that earlier in the season. And today he even said that um, it wouldn't happen until Malik was sentenced. But now Malik has been sentenced. So I wouldn't be surprised if the NBA makes a decision on a suspen- a potential suspension for Malik Beasley pretty soon now that the trial has happened and his sentencing has happened. So if Malik Beasley does have to miss some games here, I don't know what the suspension could be. Maybe it's a quick one, two um, game suspension just because, you know, the, the charges were limited and they didn't end up being, you know, really big things. I think they just ended up being a misdemeanor. Yeah. So his threat of violence charge was reduced to a misdemeanor and the felony drug charge was completely dismissed. So if we're dealing with a misdemeanor, um, the NBA could, you know, decide that it's only one or two games, whatever. You know, it's a misdemeanor. It's not that big a deal. But if they really look into the situation and decide what he did was, you know, worse than just a misdemeanor, it's just that his plea deal got, you know, accepted, they could be looking at a longer-term suspension. I don't think he's going to get suspended 40 games or anything, but... You know, he could get suspended eight games or or something. So just be on the lookout for that. I don't know what that's going to look like. Obviously, no one does know what the the league is going to decide in that situation. But don't be surprised if you see um, Malik Beasley suspended for some time 
this season just because you know he's not going to miss time due to his charges doesn't mean that the NBA isn't going to have a ruling on that and I'd be pretty surprised if they if he doesn't miss at least a few games um, with that but obviously I have no inside knowledge on that that's just from reading everything that everybody else is reading so make what you want with it but that's just my personal opinion um, but yeah, if the league doesn't suspend him, he's not going to miss miss any games this season, which is, you know, a plus. But the trouble with this is if he does have to miss some games and if it comes pretty soon, we're looking at Carl Anthony Towns coming back, you know, maybe as early as Wednesday, hopefully within the next week. Um, D'Angelo Russell just went down with an injury last night that we don't really know how serious it is. And if Malik Beasley ends up being suspended, now you're you got Cat back but you're missing your two other best players. Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully D'Angelo Russell's injury is nothing more than, you know, just having to sit out the rest of the game. But as of recording, we have no further knowledge of his injury. Ryan Saunders said he knew nothing um, last night. So there's not much to say on that. And then we don't know what's going to happen with Malik Beasley. And we don't know exactly when Carl Anthony Towns will be able to join back with the team. But as of right now, he was doubtful for the game Monday night, um, which is better than being ruled out like he has been. I think on Sunday's injury report, he was doubtful for Monday's game. So a day in advance, he was doubtful. In those situations in the past, he's been out um, ever since he got he got COVID. So right now, it's just seeming like it's a conditioning thing, making sure that his lungs can handle playing on the NBA floor. We don't know what effects Carl hasn't um had any media availability hasn't said anything about how COVID personally affected him um but we do know that Juancho Hernan Gomez even after being cleared took some time to um get back on the floor partially probably due to Ryan Saunders you know thinking there's players ahead of him but also partially due to um him just not being in shape for it one he's probably not in shape because he hasn't played basketball in so long um but two just you know COVID affects people. Even if you don't feel sick, you might have some of those effects later on. Um, and the NBA could deem through their protocols that you aren't quite ready to return to the floor. But Juancho Hernan Gomez did mention uh, post-game last night that pretty much the only thing he had for symptoms was a fever for a couple days. Um, but, you know, we don't know what we don't know what Carl's um, effects and symptoms were. We just hope that he is, you know, healthy and he is able to play soon. But... Health is the number one priority here. There's been a lot of Timberwolves fans who I feel have been pretty selfish, um, thinking that Cat should just play, you know, five minutes here and there during the game if he can only go short short stance. I don't agree with that. I think that Carl, Carl Anthony Towns needs to be fully healthy before he comes back onto the court, needs to be able to handle his full workload or close to it, um, because we don't want to risk, you know, anything going on. COVID is such an interesting thing that we don't really have Still, we don't really have a huge grasp on how it affects people. So you don't want to rush anything back. You want to make sure that players are able to handle the the intensity of an NBA game and, and all of that because that's really important and you don't want to risk any long-term side effects um, for a player. But I want to move on to talk about Carl Anthony Towns and how he really affects this Timberwolves team going forward because... Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best players in the league, you know, top 20 players in the NBA. And the Timberwolves have been without him for a really, really long time. He's played two, or he's played four of the 24 games 
this season. Only four. Two of those games he played with essentially what was like a broken wrist that he couldn't move and he basically had a cast on. So he's had two games where he's fully healthy. So I will say this too. Carl Anthony Towns is now over six weeks removed from that injury he sustained against Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz um, where he got, you know, fouled by Rudy Gobert. I don't actually know if they call a foul, but, um, you know, he was knocked over and I don't want to blame Rudy Gobert for the injury, but he was the one that, you know, made contact with Carl Anthony Towns where Carl Anthony Towns fell and he hurt his wrist. Uh, but obviously not Gobert's fault. Nothing was malicious or anything like that. It just is a freak incident. But so it's been over six weeks now. It's been, you know, six weeks and a few days since Carl Anthony Towns went down with that wrist injury. Um, and from what Carl said, when he came back the first time from the wrist injury, after just a couple weeks, he did say that he was originally told it would be a six to eight week injury and he rushed back. Now it's been six weeks, over six weeks. That wrist is probably doing quite a bit better than it was doing against the Spurs and the Grizzlies when he originally came back. Is it 100%? Maybe not. Maybe he, you know, since playing with it, maybe maybe that lengthens the recovery time a little bit. But he should be quite a bit healthier there than he was um, when we originally saw him back, which is a good sign for the team because obviously, you know, um, we want him to play with two hands. He played really well with one hand, but two hands is definitely going to help him. But anyway, so obviously the Timberwolves have struggled without Carl Anthony Towns so far this season. They're currently 6-18. and 18. And they are two, excuse me, they are four and 16 without him. Um, So, you know, this Timberwolves team probably shouldn't be this reliant on Carl Anthony Towns. Like, I think that's a fair assessment. No team should have to rely on a singular player this much to where they are the worst team in the league without him and pretty far removed from being the worst team in the league with him. But the Timberwolves really built this team around Carl Anthony Towns. He's been the centerpiece, and he has just always been the most important player on this floor when he's been on the team, maybe outside of the Jimmy Butler year. Maybe that year, Jimmy Butler was the most important player because we were the three seed before Jimmy got hurt and all that jazz. We're not going to get into that. We're talking about Carl Anthony Towns and his impact on the Timberwolves. And I wrote a piece over on wolfamongwolves.com if you want to go ahead check that out, um, just detailing all this. But I wanted to go over a few points that I made throughout that piece. So the Timberwolves defense has been playing a lot better overall over the last 16 games. And that that started when Cat originally came back from the wrist injury. That Spurs game was 16 games ago. They're close to top 10 in the league for defensive rating over that span. So the defense has been improved. Obviously, there's been some blunders where it's just really bad, like the beginning of the OKC game and the Dallas game. And it hasn't been all good, but it's been better. Um, And they're currently around like 22nd, 23rd in the entire league over the season, which is probably better than everybody would have assumed it would be prior to, to the season. I don't think anybody really thought this team had much potential to be, you know, better than bottom five in the league defensively. So say they're maybe the eighth or ninth worst team defensively. I think that's a step in the right direction. Um, but I think where Towns really helps this team. No, I think Towns actually does help this team defensively when he comes back, which is something that I don't think we've really been able to say about him in prior seasons. I think in prior seasons, um, you know, having Gorgie Jang in the lineup is obviously going to help you over Carl Anthony Towns. But the Carl Anthony Towns we've seen this year has been more poised, more um, dev- 
decisive, just more intentional on playing defense and being, you know, a better version of himself even offensively in multiple different facets. So I think he does help the defense some, actually, and it also allows um, the Timberwolves to play, you know, Nasri in a backup role, which is going to help the offense and all sorts of different things. But just having Towns on the floor is going to help this offense more than I think people are really giving it credit for. Right now, the Timberwolves are, I think, 28th in offensive rating throughout the season, and they are barely above 30th. But Carl Anthony Towns is going to open certain parts of every single player's game on the Timberwolves, whether it be the cutting of Josh Akogi or the spacing for Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell or the cutting for Derek Culver or the confidence for Derek Culver or whatever, the Ricky Rubio making you know better decisions, whatever it is, he's going to open up so much for the Timberwolves on that side of the ball. And him by himself just scoring the ball probably, you know, skyrockets his team from like the worst offense into the league to top 15. Like Cat's always basically been like a walking like top 10, top 12 offense outside of his rookie year um, when he's on the court, which, you know, is like a really impressive thing to say about about a player. But that's truly how good Carl Anthony Towns has been offensively throughout his career. But um, I should, you know, I'd be remiss to say that this Timberwolves team is really bad offensively without Cat, and they shouldn't be this bad. There's no reason. There's enough offensive talent on this team when you have Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell. You have um, Nas Reed as a solid backup center that can get you some points, and then you have other players um, that can make some shots. So this team probably shouldn't be. 28th in the league offensively they maybe should be closer to 23rd kind of where the defense is at um but they haven't been but I think Carl Anthony Towns raises the potential and the output of every single player on this team obviously you know Nas Reed probably doesn't score as many points when Cat comes back because his role is going to be diminished but Carl Anthony Towns impact not just scoring the ball distributing the ball playmaking for his teammates is can't go unrecognized towns is becoming one of the best big man passers in the league and when he's a player that you know demands as many double teams as he does because he does demand just a ton of double teams from opposing um defenses you have to be able to pass out of those double teams and find your teammates in advantageous positions for them to score the ball or for them to make the extra pass and kind of get the defense the defense off Um, of their rhythm because when you're double teamed somebody else is open two guys are on you that leaves three players to guard the remaining four players on your team now in the past we've seen Carl Anthony Towns try and kick out those um those double teams to shooters that are Travion Graham and Alan Crabb or whoever I don't even I don't know if Cat actually did play with Alan Crabb I'd have to go back and look but you know he's trying to kick it out to like Wiggins and and Travion Graham, who are just historically not great three-point shooters. Wiggins has been okay, you know, whatever, 35% for his career or whatever. Now he's going to pass the ball out to a Malik Beasley, who's like a 40% three-point shooter, a D'Angelo Russell, who's near a 40% three-point shooter, a Jada McDaniels, who can hit a corner jump shot really effectively, even to someone like Jalen Noel, who's might have worked his way into this rotation during the absence of Jarrett Culver. A much better three-point shooter than than Cat is used to kicking the ball out to. 
So once Cat starts kicking the ball out to those people, all of a sudden defenses have to start respecting that. And then Towns gets double teamed less, which allows him to take over offensively and score. And then once they see that Towns is scoring too much, they are going to double team him again. And now he's kicking the ball out to Malik Beasley, to Jalen Noel, to D'Angelo Russell, who are making the defenses pay for leaving someone open. So I think that's a part of the game that's going underrated. Nas Reed isn't demanding double teams like Carl Anthony Towns. While Nas Reed's skill set might be similar because he can shoot the ball, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit, and he has, you know, been operating in the post some, he doesn't demand, he doesn't have the offensive gravity, the shooting gravity that Carl Anthony Towns does. He's just not near the player. Um, While he is a fine, you know, Towns facsimile, um, just because, you know, he has a similar skill set, he, Towns is in a total other stratosphere from Nas Reed. And that's not knocking Nas Reed. That's just like elevating how good Carl Anthony Towns is. And I think a couple players probably benefit the most from playing next to Carl Anthony Towns. I think Malik Beasley benefits from having just more space on the three-point line because Towns does, you know, demand that much um, space and, you know, attention from the defense. I think D'Angelo Russell is really benefiting from having Carl Anthony Towns on the floor because now he is not the number one option or number two or whatever to Malik Beasley. Now he's like the two or three option. Um, I think Anthony Edwards really benefits from having Carl Anthony Towns on the floor because now your center, instead of it being Nas Reed and Jared Vanderbilt or Ed Davis, now it's Cat and Nas Reed. So pretty much whenever Anthony Edwards is on the floor, the center on the team isn't going to be clogging the lane, which is going to open up so much more for him to drive to the basket or cut to the basket. And that same thing with Josh Okogie. That opens up the door for him to cut and Jared Culver to cut. And if, you know, the big man decides to go cover that that cutting or that driving um, Anthony Edwards off, Edwards' playmaking, passing out of a drive, has been really good. And he's going to hit Jaden McDaniels open in the corner or whoever... Nas Reed or Carlin Towns open on the wing. Like, that is what's going to happen. And that's how this offense is completely maximized. Is by spreading the floor, making the defense make decisions on drives, on, you know, double-teaming Carl Anthony Towns. That is how you make defenses pay, is by passing out of those situations to find something that's more advantageous. Because Carl Anthony Towns might just be the best shooter on this team. Malik Beasley is a, a flamethrower. He's going to get hot, and he's going to you know, be have more volume than Cat. But I think that Carl Anthony Towns is probably the best shooter on the team. He's one of the better shooters in the entire league, and I think that doesn't go noticed as much either. He's not just a guy that gets you 24 points a game by working in the post. Cat works in the post. He spots up. He drives. He does step-back threes on defenders when they're not ready for it. He's like the most offensively versatile center in the entire league. And that's what you're getting when he returns to the floor, a guy that can do all those things offensively. But I think he opens up the door for D'Angelo Russell a lot just by taking pressure off of Russell, you know, opening up someone for Russell to pass to, um, someone to pass to Russell, set some better screens than Nas Reed does. And I think, and I tweeted this out earlier before I recorded this, Right now, Malik Beasley has been the best player for the Timberwolves this season. And I don't think you can really question that. He has shown the most fight. He's putting out the best output. 
and he's been probably the most effective and the most consistent. But Carl Anthony Towns coming back, I think that makes D'Angelo Russell the second best player on this team. Cat would be the best, D'Angelo Russell is the second best, and then Malik Beasley is the third best. And I don't think that's because Carl Anthony Towns is making Malik Beasley worse when he comes back. I think the opposite. I think Malik Beasley is going to be better when Cat comes back just by benefiting from you know, the offensive gravity that Carl Anthony Towns does have. But where it comes in is that I think that D'Angelo Russell is heightened so much by Carl Anthony Towns that he will become a better player than Malik Beasley for this team. But Malik Beasley is still going to be as good, if not better, than he is right now. So if that is the third best player on your team, you're sitting pretty dang good. If you got three twenty, if you got three guys between Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Malik Beasley, who are going to get you probably like seventy points a night, seventy, you know, sixty-five to seventy points a night between three players, then you have Anthony Edwards, who's going to get you fifteen. All of a sudden, you are at eighty to eighty-five points between three guys. Then you just need like 30 points from, you still have Nas Reed, who probably is going to get you double digits. You still have like a Jalen Noel. You still have people like, you know, Ricky Rubio might get you five, but he's going to find, you know, Vanderbilt and McDaniels and, you know, maybe a Culver or a Kogi are going to get you like a handful of points. All of a sudden you're looking at one of the best offenses in the league, top 10 offense in the league. And I think that's what Carl Anthony Towns does to this team. And I think he really heightens this team. And I don't think it's getting enough credit from people even within the Timberwolves organization. And it's really not getting enough credit from the national media, but I'm not going to go into that. I just wanted to talk about how much Carl Anthony Towns opens up this offense and his passing, his ability to score, the attention that defenses give him, all is just going to heighten the play of every single player on this team. And I think like Anthony Edwards is going to keep getting better. Malik Beasley is going to still do what he does and and we're probably going to see a more consistent and a better operating D'Angelo Russell. Plus, Cat is just like a bucket. So, um, But that's my thoughts there. I think the Timberwolves are going to be pretty dang good offensively. And the defensive effort's going to need to try and keep up because this team could win some games when fully healthy. Are they going to make the playoffs? Probably not. They're in a pretty dang deep hole. They're 12 games under 500. Um, but could they play 500 basketball when they're fully healthy? Maybe. We're going to need to see some fight like we saw in the second half of OKC and the Dallas games. We're going to need to see for four quarters, and the offense is going to need to be clicking, which it will be, but the defense is going to have to try and keep up too, and we can't allow any 40-point quarters. But anyways, that's pretty much all I had. Um, So thank you guys so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Also, make sure to check out all the work that's going on at wolfamongwolves.com. there's some really good pieces that have been put up, um, not only just by me, but by uh, the other writers there. Um, if you haven't checked out this podcast before, go ahead and listen to a couple of the last podcasts. I talked in depth about the rotation with Dane Moore just a few days ago, so make sure that you don't miss that. Um, but other than that, thank you again so much for listening to this episode. I truly do appreciate it. Please like, rate, subscribe, all those things on this podcast. That is really appreciated. Um, But again, thank you. Wolves down two. We got the Clippers, I think, on Wednesday. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, excuse me, Carl Anthony Towns might be back. We don't know. Um, But the Wolves, the Wolves got to get things going once everybody is healthy on this team. Um, But again, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I'm Brendan and peace.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.